The number 1-855-821-5900, Lior at employmenthour.com. We will get into some more depth when it comes to the severance pay calculator here in just a bit. But we like to uh, kick off every show uh, with the week that was. Things have come across your desk, some cases that you've been working on, some success stories, and uh, real-life stuff that happens at the firm on a uh, pretty much a daily or even hourly basis there, Lior. What's, uh, what's going on this week? Thank you, Johnny. Appreciate it, and always uh, be uh, always. I'm happy to be back here on uh, uh, AM640 and and to talk about our workplace rights for employees and and everything you need to know. Uh, if you're having a job, if you have a job, if you lost your job, unfortunately, these are important things. These are things we deal with every single day, uh, and uh, things that may not be relevant to you right now, but. I promise you at some point you're going to care about these issues. So stay tuned, and we'll, we'll try to cover as much ground as possible. Uh, starting off with a couple of scenarios, a couple of interesting uh, uh, matters that I, I saw in the last few days. The first one involved uh, an individual that held a very senior position within his company, and one of the things that he was promised and it was outlined in his employment agreement uh, were uh, were stock options. And as as you know, John, for people that are in senior positions, those can be quite valuable. Those form an integral and an important part of your compensation. And what happened here is as he was promised that by a certain date, uh, he would have a certain number of stock options. So that date came and he told his employer, and this is all in writing, well, you know, under my agreement, I, I'm entitled to these these options and I want to exercise these options. I want you now to grant me these options. There's, they're valuable. Mm-hmm. And his employer said, well, okay, well, we'll get back to you on this. Uh, and he followed up with them about a week later. You know, I still want to do that. Let me know when we can uh, get the paperwork done. And his employer, again, the same thing. Well, we're working on it. We'll get back to you. And this went on, what I've just described, for a period of four months. Every couple of weeks, he'd follow up with them. Yeah, 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 we'll get back to you next week or in a couple of weeks. Uh, and it went on and on and on. And they never, ever, uh, hmm. over that period of time, granted him those options. Now, they never let him go. They didn't uh, do anything to him. Other, they, other than they would not comply with the terms of his employment. So at some point, he got so frustrated, and he called me, and he said, well, what can I do here? What I told them is this. The fact that they've refused, essentially refused, to, to abide by your employment agreement, the fact that they've refused to give you something that you're owed, something that was part of the deal, that could be a constructive dismissal 100%. They have an obligation to you. They've refused to comply with that obligation. You can continue working and, and uh, hope that they'll comply with it and keep uh, bothering them. Maybe at some point something will happen. Or you can treat your employment right now as being terminated. And that's what he did. And now I'm in the process of getting him his severance. Now, he's a senior individual. He's looking at uh, several months' compensation. Even though he only worked for a company for about a year and a half, he'd probably be looking at six months' severance yeah. easily. The lesson there is very, very important for individuals. It may not necessarily apply in the context of stock options, but if you're owed something under your employment agreement, maybe a certain bonus or certain benefits, etc., and, and your employer does not comply with that, your employer decides, well, I'm, not, I'm just not going to do it. Well, you don't have to accept that. You don't have to say, well, I guess, you know, too bad for me. You can, you can treat your employment as being terminated, as, as a constructive dismissal. And sometimes, John, even the threat to the company of pursuing it as a constructive dismissal may get the employer's butt in gear and may get them to, to provide you with what they owe you. So that's very important for our listeners to understand. There is recourse when your employer refuses to do something that it's supposed to do. one 821 5900 is the number. What else you got for me? So last time we did the show last week, uh, I talked about um, 
one of the worst severance packages that I've ever seen. So yeah. I think I'm going to do a series of these over the next few weeks. Talk about kind of the worst severance packages Lior's have seen. Lior has seen. I saw another one of those uh, over the past few days. This was uh, an individual that had worked for a company for 14 years, uh, and he was uh, kind of a plant manager, a plant supervisor position uh, in his 50s. And when he was let go, uh, the company said, and I still haven't figured out why, that he only gets a month's pay, one month, uh, which, by the way, would even be a, a breach of the employment standards. Yeah. It's that ridiculous, a month's pay. Not even the nonsense we sometimes hear, which is a week for every year. They say one month. And he called me, and he was very confused, and, and he, he had talked to some people and got some advice, but he wasn't sure. And what I said, forget that. You're probably owed 18 months' pay. So he was offered four weeks' pay, was owed 18 months' hmm. pay, and the difference there was about $130,000, $140,000 for him. Uh, one of the worst severance offers I've seen. I can't imagine what this company was thinking. Uh, whoever thought of that should be fired themselves without severance. Uh, and uh, so, again, an example of what some of our listeners may face may not be to this extreme uh, difference or extreme extent, but oftentimes, most of the times, John, when, when our listeners uh, and public in, in general, when they leave that severance meeting with their severance letter in hand, that offer usually is substantially less than what you're actually owed. And he had no uh, employment contract that had anything in there limiting. Even if he did, they could never limit, it, limit him to as little as four weeks. Yeah. And that's what makes it so absurd. Even... Even without one, with no employment agreement, you would think they'd make him some reasonable offer. Maybe not 18 months. Maybe they'd offer him seven uh, months. Instead, there was one month, probably one of the worst offers I've seen in, in a long time. Makes you wonder how many people they've got away with that before, and, and nobody's done anything about it. Kind of scary, right? Yeah. Kind of scary. People walking there not realizing that they've lost out on potentially six figures worth of money that they're actually legally owed. Lots of stuff coming up. We'll get into a story about Uber very shortly. First, the phone number, one 821 5900 Lior, L-I-O-R, at com. We'll get through some emails on the show today as well. And the severance pay calculator, we'll cover that here in just a bit. It's the Employment Hour on Talk Radio, AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. one 821 5900 is that number. Email is Lior at employmenthour.com. We'll get to a few of those today in the severance pay calculator. What a tool this has been. And uh, we'll give you details about how it works. In the meantime, you can actually go to severancepaycalculator.com on your own and uh, have a little look-see as we idly chat. My friend, the Uber story, what is going on with that? Yeah, it, it's a big story that broke uh, with us a couple of days ago, John. And we had started a class action against Uber taking the view that the Uber drivers really, in the eyes of the law, are employees. Now, the genesis of this started uh, in November or so uh, of last year. There was a story in the media, you may recall, where Uber had significantly reduced the compensation for some of its drivers, mm -hmm. literally overnight uh, by some 30 or 40 percent. There was a bit, a bit of an uproar by the drivers. There were some protests. And I was contacted by a number of them. To, to be and, and I was asked, well, what can we do about this? Do we have no choice? And the answer to that really was, well, the only way you really do have a choice, the only way you can actually do something about this is if you're considered to be employees. If you really are independent contractors, well, guess what? Uber can pretty much do whatever it wants, and there's not going to be a lot of things or, or any repercussions. And as I looked into it more, John, I, I realized that there's a real argument, a, a real 
uh, possibility here that the drivers really are employees. Uh, and we've now started a class action saying that the some 20,000 or so uh, Ontario drivers that Uber has in, in its various uh, classes are really employees. And because of that, they have the same rights, entitlements, and protections as all other employees, as, as our listeners know. And now, this is an interesting matter. I mean, Uber has always taken the view that these individuals are independent contractors. Mm -hmm. And why? Well, Uber says they can decide when to work and what not, and when not to work. And that makes them independent contractors. Well, not so fast. Number one, the fact that you may be able to set your schedule does not in itself make you an independent contractor. Many people that have part-time jobs provide their employer with their availability uh, and they're scheduled based on that. Now, beyond that, with an Uber driver, just because you uh, schedule yourself doesn't mean you're actually going to get work during that time. It is still up to Uber to decide who's going to get a ride, who's going to get the actual work. Uber decides how to distribute that work. And Uber often even penalizes people who in the past have not been available. It penalizes them by not sending them assignments or good assignments. So because of that, I say, and when we say in this class action, that these individuals really are employees of Uber. They should have the same rights and protections of every employee. And, and as hopefully our listeners know, this is a widespread issue. Many times we talk to people that have been misclassified and have been treated as independent contractors where really in the eyes of the law, they are employees. So what could be the repercussions if, if you know, in the future this goes through and, uh, you know, the law says, you know what, really are you and your firm are correct. These people are now either full-time or part-time employees of Uber. What happens? Well, Uber is going to have to change its model. Uh, Uber is not going to be able to treat these people as independent contractors. There's going to have it's going to have obligations to them. It's going to have obligations to pay them uh, vacation pay and overtime. It's going to have obligation to pay holiday pay, termination and severance pay uh, when it lets someone go or stops working with someone. It's going to have to abide by Ontario laws. And that's really what we want. One of the things, John, that's really interesting that uh, that Uber does in its agreements with the uh, the drivers, it says, it says to them that if there's ever a dispute, maybe we underpaid you by, I don't know, 20 bucks last night. Well, the only thing you could do about this, Mr. Driver, is seek an arbitration in the Netherlands. That's exactly what they do. So think about it, John. Who's ever going to take them to the Netherlands to, to try to recover some money? No one ever. So the net effect of that is that Uber can do whatever it wants without any repercussion whatsoever. That's one of the things we're fighting for. We're fighting for the individuals to have rights to pursue their entitlements uh, in court, in the Ministry of Labor when needed. Uh, we don't. We think it's outrageous and ridiculous to say, well, you know, if you have a problem with us, hey, talk to the Netherlands. That's nonsense. That's ridiculous. Uh, and, and, and that's why we think it's completely unfair. You know, this is huge as someone who almost exclusively now, not that I have a problem with any normal taxis in this city, but I'm almost exclusively an Uber user when I'm not driving my own car. It's a great service. But, I mean, this is huge. Would this have any backlash as well? I know a few months ago that uh, your partner, Savannah Tamarkin, on the Insurance and Injury Law Show, we talked about the uh, repercussions of these drivers not having what they would call fleet insurance, I guess it would be, their individual cars or, you know, they're insuring their cars as a private driver. Would this have any overlap with that? Yeah, it, it absolutely would. It's a matter of, of, of this whole model you know, being somewhat flawed. And, and the reason why this model is flawed is because it's easier 
for Uber to run it this way. It's easier not to have employees. It's cheaper not to have employees. It's easier not to have uh, proper insurance like some other providers would be. It's cheaper for them that way. Uh, and But the problem is that that creates liabilities to the public. It creates liabilities vis-a-vis these employees. So it's all connected, and it's a question of having a business model that protects the drivers, protects the employees, and, and still allows Uber to provide the service that it wants to. I think you can have a model like that without compromising people's rights. We've got about a minute left of this same before we take a break. Let's touch on the severance pay calculator. What do you say? So, yeah, John, uh, severancepaycalculator.com is the place to go if you lost your job. Quite simple, quite easy to go to use. Anyone can do it. It's free. It's anonymous. Uh, and, and tens of thousands, maybe more than that now, have used it over the past three-plus years since we've had it. You go to severancepaycalculator.com. You input your age, your position, and the length of your employment, and that's it. You're done. It's going to tell you how much severance you're owed, how many months, six months, 12 months, anything else. And now you know Now you know whether the severance offer that you've received is fair. If it's not fair, you can contact me if you want. And maybe you haven't lost your job, but you're, you're worried about losing your job, and you want to know what you, you would be owed you just go to severancepaycalculator.com. Outstanding. The number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. 855 821 Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. Lots more of the Employment Hour is coming straight up after a quick break right here. Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. one 821 5900 is the number. Lior at employmenthour.com. And as we finished off last segment, you can check out the Severance Pay Calculator at severancepaycalculator.com. Dot com as well. Let's talk, uh, discuss a little bit about uh, forced resignation situations where an employee is given no choice but to resign. So we'll go through a few of these. Um, what's a real resignation and does one get severance if they resign? Yeah, and, and a real resignation, John, and is, is a situation where the employee makes the decision unilaterally and voluntarily to no longer continue working. That is it. That's all a resignation is. You cannot resign if someone makes you because then you, you breach the rule, the rule being that it has to be voluntary and unilateral. So if you make a decision, I do not want to work here anymore for whatever reason. Maybe you, you, you think that this is not a good job and you can get a better job or you want to spend more time with the family or you're moving. You make that decision and you don't, or you've retired. Uh, that's another form of resignation. If you make that decision and it's your decision and yours alone, uh, that's fine, that's a resignation. And in that situation, no, you're not getting severance. You're not owed severance because the fact that you're not working, it's your decision and your employer really played no role in that decision. Now, when we talk about forced resignation, which is what we're going to be talking about over the next few minutes, are situations that even though it was the person that said the words, I'm leaving or I'm resigning, it wasn't really voluntary. Hmm. It wasn't really something that they decided on their own. There was a reason behind that. And in those situations that we're going to talk about now, in many of those cases, you actually do get severance. So what happens if a person is told told to resign or else? How about that one? Well, yeah. So if you're told to resign or else, and by the way, John, that's extremely common. I see that all the time. Uh, we're, we're very unhappy with you, so you got to resign or we'll fire you. Well, wait a second. There's no such thing as resign or else because if you are told that, then you haven't made the decision. You've been told that uh, you, you better do it or else. Because of that, the law would consider your employment as being terminated, even if you're the one that said, okay, well, I was told to resign or else, so mm-hmm. I guess I better resign. At that point, the law would consider you to be terminated and you get your full severance. Now, one of the things that I want our listeners to understand is 
If you're resigning because someone gave you an ultimatum, they told you to resign or else, you want to have some sort of a record. You want to have some ability to show that they're the ones that said resign or else. You don't want to resign and then the company denies it. Oh, no, we never told you to resign or else. You simply walked into the office and said, I'm resigning. So if that were to happen to you, in order to maintain the right for severance, ideally, ideally, I would want you to send some sort of an email mm-hmm. to the company saying, you know, when we met today in the boardroom at uh, 12 o'clock, you told me to resign or else. Something like that. If you do that, and then as a result you resign, you've maintained your right to severance. You can establish what actually happened. And then even though you're the one that said the words, I resign, you still get everything you're owed uh, under the law. one 821 5900 is the number. You know, sometimes a buddy or a friend or a cousin say, no, no, man, it's, it, it's better off to have resigned than be let go. Um, should they be concerned about that? Because it sounds like, you know, you want to save face more than save your, your bank account, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's almost never, John, ever better to resign than to be let go. There's, no, there's really no reason for that. Uh, the only thing you're doing if you're resigning instead of being let go is potentially you making it more difficult for you, for yourself, to get the legal entitlements that you're owed, to get the severance that you're owed. If the company wants to let you go, that's on them. Okay, don't make it easier on them by resigning. The fact that pe- people believe that somehow if I'm let go, that's going to be a black mark on me, right. and maybe because of that, I'm not going to get a job, and I'm better to have resigned. No, there's no such thing. There's no uh, central uh, uh, database where people are marked as being let go or being uh, having resigned. If your employer is actually uh, putting you in a situation where you resign or they're going to let you go, that would almost always be a termination without cause, which means you're owed severance. And the fact that you were let go in the eyes of the law without cause doesn't change anything, doesn't prevent you from uh, getting a job, doesn't do anything. There's no way for a former employer to actually know what happened, for a new employer to know what happened. So, no, it's never, ever better to, to be let go rather than, than to, uh, sorry, to resign rather than to let go. And if your employer says to you, well, you should be resigning or else, I would say, well, no, I'm not resigning. Uh, you do what you need to do, and I'll do what I need to do. If you do resign in that situation, you still get severance as long as you can establish that they're the ones that pushed you out the door. And, you know, sometimes it gets a little more bitter than that, as you've talked about in past shows. Your boss tells you you have to resign. What do you say to that? that that's even more outrageous. You know, uh-huh. there's no such thing as have to resign. Uh, by definition, a resignation is something that you decide. So someone else can't tell you that you have to do something that's your decision exclusively. That can't be. That That's the, the opposite of a resignation. If someone tells you you have to do it, then it's not your decision which means if you still resign because you were told you have to, that is a termination. That's a termination like any other. And because that's a termination, you get your full severance. And employers often think that there's a, that could be a way to, uh, to avoid paying severance. Well, mm-hmm. let's get them to resign. Let's put, the, let's put someone in a situation where they feel that they don't have a choice but right. to resign. And if they do that, hey, guess what? We've just saved $50,000 in severance. Well, as I said before on the show, the law is smarter than that. If, you're, if you've been put in a situation where you have no choice but to resign, you've been told to resign, you've been threatened that you have to resign or else, 
That is a termination, and you have not given up any of your rights. That's when you need the number, one 821 5900 Lior at employmenthour.com. We'll continue our discussion on forced resignations here after a quick break. The Employment Hour, Talk Radio, AM640 and AM900, CHML. one 821 5900 is the number, Lior at employmenthour.com. We were talking to forced resignations before we took a quick break there. So uh, someone sometimes it comes down to proof, right? How does someone prove that they were forced to resign? You know, whenever you've been forced to resign, it's almost always an issue of proof. I think it's rare for the employer to say, yes, shucks, you know, you got us. We <laughs> did tell them they had to resign, our bad, right? It's it's probably not going to happen. So if you've been forced to resign, your employer is probably going to turn around a week, a month, a year later and say, well, no, no, we never forced you to do anything. You decided, and now because you decided, we don't have to pay you anything. So you always want to have a written record of what happened. And now your employer is never going to give you a letter, I don't think, that says, uh, well, you have to resign or else. It's not, they're not going to make it that easy on you. Mm-hmm. So because of that, it's up to the individual, it's up to the employee to create that record. And I touched on it earlier. The way you do that, it's quite simple. It's as simple as sending an email. That's all you have to do. So you've been forced to resign. If you resign, not out of your own uh, choice, not of your own volition, Send an email to your employer saying, this is what happened. I didn't want to resign, but you told me I had to. You put me in this situation, whatever it is. Create that record, all right? Make it sure, Make sure it's contemporaneous. In other words, it happens at the same time. Mm-hmm. If you do it a month later, that may not be good. But right around the time when you've resigned, if you create that record, you've then maintained the right to pursue severance. You've established what actually happened. Uh, and, and that means that, that we can help you get everything you are owed uh, so I, I want us, I want our listeners to understand and remember that this is a very common situation, John. There's a reason why I'm talking about this here on the show. I've seen so many cases over the years, more than I can ever hope to count, where people have resigned because they felt threatened, because they were told they have to, because they were put in a situation where they felt there was no choice, and, and they were concerned. Well, I, I didn't want to resign. I, if I had it my way, I'd still be at work working right now. Am I owed something? And the answer to that is yes, absolutely. You are absolutely owed your full severance in those situations. Sometimes people, you know, have a bad day at work and they blow up and they say, you know, to heck with this place, I am out of here. They slam down their pen and they walk out the door. What happens uh, in that? The heat of the moment sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. We call it the, the heat of the moment uh, resignations. And the law understands that sometimes we may say things in the heat of the moment that we don't really mean. And if that is the case, maybe then we shouldn't be held uh, responsible for it or we shouldn't be made to pe- be penalized for it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you, I, I can see situations. I've had cases like that in the past where, you know, maybe we had an argument. Maybe I was just so frustrated. Things kind of boiled over. And I told my employer, that's it. I'm out of here. I don't want to work with you anymore. And you pack up your bags and you leave. You go home. You, uh, you calm down. You have a nice shower and you realize, oh, wait a second. What did I just do? Hmm. Uh, I, I, I can't afford to be off work. I actually don't mind that place. Uh, what am I going to do now? Well, here's the thing. If you resign in the heat of the moment, you have an opportunity to take that back, but you actually have to take it back. So what you do in that situation, assuming it's in the heat of the moment and you realize that that was a mistake and you didn't really mean it, you don't want to resign, then you should immediately contact your employer and make sure it's in writing. Okay, We want to have a record of this. And say that, employer, heat of the moment, didn't mean it, I want to come back to work tomorrow, all's good. Now, if your employer says, yeah, sure, come back, okay, you continue working, no, no, no harm, no foul. But if the employer says, which often I do see, 
Well, no, you said the words resign. Therefore, I don't care reason. I don't care here at the moment. Uh, we're not going to let you come back. Well, at that point, that becomes a termination. If you try to take back right away the heat of the moment uh, resignation and your employer refuses to allow you to do that, if your employer refuses to make it happen, uh, then they're now considered as having let you go. The trick here, John, is you have to take it back quickly, you know, within a couple of days or so. Right. Uh, ideally, you know, within a few hours. But in, even within a couple of days, you're still fine. If you try to take it back a month later, it's too late at that point. You're considered to have resigned so uh, believe me, John, a lot of our listeners would have been in that situation. So you do have recourse. You just have to act quickly. Yeah, you can. six months later. You remember me? I was here last year. <laughs> yeah. No, that doesn't work. <laughs> right. That's no longer heat of the moment. That's right. one 821 So sometimes it's not a heat of the moment. Sometimes it's because the workplace has become poisoned and the, uh, the employees having a difficult time continuing working. So they resign because they feel like they have no choice. What do they do? Yeah, and, and that is a, a, a clear example of a constructive dismissal. So whenever you've resigned because something has happened in the workplace that makes it difficult or impossible to continue working, maybe uh, you've been harassed, you're being mistreated, there's a poisoned work environment. So, you know, it's not comfortable. You, you get up every morning and, and you're feeling a, you feel dread. A dread comes on you to, from the idea of coming back to work or going to work. Well, guess what? If you resign in that situation, the law understands that. The law says you shouldn't have to work in a poison work environment. You shouldn't have to work somewhere where people are harassing you or mistreating you. So if that's your situation, if you've resigned because of that out of frustration, out of despair, out of uh, a sense of self-preservation, then guess what? You are uh, considered to be terminated. That's a constructive dismissal. As long as you can show the reason, as long as you can establish what uh, the situation was that made you do that, then you are still considered to be terminated and you get your severance. And I see that very often with harassment. Workplace harassment is a huge issue. Mm -hmm. uh, people are being mistreated. Uh, people are, are being bullied, put down at work, and, and they can't take it and they leave thinking that they have no, no option or, or no uh, monetary entitlements. That is not the case. If you've been harassed and if you've left because you've been harassed, that's a constructive dismissal. And you are owed severance. Don't just don't wait. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is the number you need. Lior L I O R at employmenthour.com. And since you've discovered that now, you can go to Severance Pay Calculator ahead of time before contacting Lior and finding out exactly uh, what you're owed by your workplace. We'll take a quick break and we'll get in a little more of uh, forced resignations and bounce over to a few emails as well. It's the Employment Hour Talk Radio AM six forty and AM nine hundred CHML one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. That is the number anytime to get a hold of Leo. We're talking about uh, forced resignations. Uh, is there situations where it's actually better to resign than to continue working at, uh, at a workplace? Yeah, it, it absolutely is. And, and this ties into this topic of constructive dismissal. So, uh, you know, to refresh our listeners' uh, memories here, a constructive dismissal uh, can take many forms, but a classic form is when your employer changes the terms of your employment. Maybe they've reduced your salary, Maybe they've uh, demoted you, et cetera. And as a result, you've resigned and treat your employment as, as constructively dismissed. Well, in some situations, that's far better than continuing to work. Because if your employer, for example, reduced your salary and you know, you're unhappy, like anyone would be if mm -hmm. your salary has been reduced, but you're going to be a team player and you're going to continue working. Well, by doing that, even though you're trying to do the good thing and, and try to be a, a good employee, well, by accepting that pay reduction, you've given your employer the right to do it again. 
and that's the scary part. That's the unfortunate part. Uh, now, by you being a good guy and, and continuing to work, despite the pay decrease, your employer can say, well, now we know that we can do that. Now we, you've given us the right, so next year we'll reduce it again, and then again, and then again. Yeah. And at that point, you can't do anything about it because you've established that right, that precedent. You only get one shot to treat that as a constructive dismissal. So I say if your employer is going to change the terms of your employment, maybe try to lay you off temporarily, reduce your pay, demote you, relocate you, you're better off resigning rather than giving your employer the right to do this thing again and again to you, and then you lose all recourse and all rights. Those are situations, John, where it's much better to resign than to continue working. You have questions you don't always ask uh, through the phone lines or email. You can go to terminationquestions.com there as well as a drop-down menu. Chances are your question has been asked. Uh, and there's a comprehensive answer there waiting for you. If not, type it in, and Lior gets to those as well. Terminationquestions.com. Got Henry on email. says, my employer let me go a week after I came back from a medical leave. I just found an ad online where they posted for replacement. Can they do this? <laughs> oh, nice. gosh. You know, you know what? Sometimes I just sit here and I shake my head at, at, <laughs> at some employers. Man, you know, think about employers that should know better, right? So, so no, that's not right here because what the employer has to do when someone is on a medical leave of absence, they have an obligation to take them back, right? Uh, and they have to make all efforts to take them back. Otherwise, it's a human rights issue. So if you've been let go when – when you come back from a medical leave, your employer is probably going to say, well, no, no, we didn't let you go because of the medical leave. We simply let you go because there was no work for you. We tried and we looked. We just couldn't find anything for you. So, hey, what can we do here? Uh, well, we know now if, if they, in fact, were looking for a replacement, they can't say that they didn't have a job for you. And that makes it clear that the reason or, or makes it almost clear that the reason that they let you go was tied to your medical leave of absence. That's illegal. That's a human rights issue. So now, not only do they have to pay severance, and by the way, John, they'd have to pay severance either way. Even if they let them go for legitimate reasons, they still would have to pay severance. But now not only do they have to pay severance, potentially they're liable for human rights damages. So that is always a silly thing for an employer to let someone go saying, oh, we don't have work for you, and then post, uh, turn around and post a job for a replacement, especially if someone is on a leave of absence, maybe a medical leave, certainly a, a pregnancy or parental leave, that's illegal. Uh, our human rights laws take that very seriously. Joanne writes in, says, I've, given, I've been given two choices to reduce my hours significantly or to re, uh, relocate from Toronto up to Barrie. What are my rights? What do I do? You know, so, so she has another choice, John. Yeah. It, it, she, she does not have to accept a relocation to Barry. That's a significant uh, a jump. That's a significant move, and that's going to add a lot to her commute. It's going to completely change the terms of her employment. So what she can do is her choice is really this. She can, tr she can continue working, and she can accept this relocation if she wants, and certainly that is her decision. But she doesn't have to. She can treat that as a constructive dismissal. And tell her employer, well, if you're going to make me move to Barrie from Toronto, then I'm going to treat my employment as being terminated and, and constructively dismissed, and I'm going to pursue my severance. Mm -hmm. Now, even though the employer may be able to make some sort of a move uh, and, and relocate to a reasonable extent, but certainly a move like that where someone may have to commute an extra hour and a half each way uh, you know, every day, no way can an employer do that. Therefore, you can treat your employment as being constructively dismissed. You get your full severance, uh, and, and you can uh, move on and find another job. 
want to bounce over to uh, to another topic here until we take a break in a couple minutes. That's about being on probation. What does it mean exactly to be on probation? So being on probation is is mean it means that your employers uh, created a period of time during which they will try to assess your suitability for the position. It's a period of time where your employer is going to uh, try to find out whether you're the right uh, person to do the job that the employer needs to get done. If you just started a job and your employer doesn't know you, you don't have a history, your employer says, well, we think John is the right guy for the job, but how do we know for sure? Yep. So let's have a period of time where we can uh, try him out and see how that, that works. It's you know like, like dating before you get married. Before we commit and, 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 and agree to a long-term relationship, let's see if we like each other. Let's see if we can work together. And it's also a period of time for the employee to see if they feel comfortable with the job, if it's everything they thought that it was. But really, when we, whenever we're talking about probationary periods, John, we're talking about, about it from the perspective of the employer. It's the employer usually that wants that rather than the employee. It's the employer that wants a period of time to try things out before they commit long-term. Is it automatic? No, and that is the key. A probationary period is not automatic. A lot of people think that you know the first three months, 90 days, what have you, yeah. is automatic. I'm, as soon as I start a job, I'm on probation. No, a, probation, a probationary period has to be created by an employment agreement, by a job offer letter. It has to, you have to have something that you've signed that says for the first 60 days, 90 days, what have you, I'm on probation. If you sign that, then there's that period. Otherwise, you're not on probation. It's not automatic. An employee doesn't just get to, to uh, decide uh, without an agreement that you've accepted that you're on probation. If you sign something that says you're on probation, you're on probation. If you did not, you're not on probation. The number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. That email address again, Lior at employmenthour.com. If you haven't been to the Severance Pay Calculator to find out exactly what you should be owed, it is severancepaycalculator.com. We'll get to a couple of emails as we wrap up and talk a little more about being on probation here on the show, the Employment Hour Talk Radio, AM six forty, AM nine hundred, CHML. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred and Lior at employmenthour.com. That's L I O R. We'll get to a Beth here says uh, Leoris talks about negotiating severance, but my employer told me that they've made me a good severance offer and won't increase, won't budge. Should I bother having my severance offer reviewed? Wow. Well, I'm going to make it very easy, okay? Uh, make it easy so you can know right now. Just go right now as we speak. Mm-hmm. Go to severancepaycalculator.com. Again, severancepaycalculator.com and, and find out there. And you don't need me to tell you. If you go to severancepaycalculator.com and you use that and it shows that you have a good offer, Well, there's your answer. But I will bet you anything, uh, and I'll say this now, and I've said this before, John, uh, without knowing anything about this particular matter, that the severance offer is not good. And Mm -hmm. not that it's not good. Well, they've offered me five months. It should be six months. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about probably being deficient by 30%, 40%, 50%, 60%. That's what most severance offers are deficient by. So because of that, uh, no, it's not about what your employer tells you. No employer is ever going to say, Here's your severance offer. By the way, it's really bad. So, uh, no, that's never (laughs) going to happen. So your employer is going to tell you, yeah, we made you a great offer. You should accept it. It's your job to determine whether it is good. It's not your employer's job to to, uh, tell you that. You have to determine that. And if you don't determine that and, and you've taken your employer's word for it and later you find out, wait a second, that was wrong. I was owed another $75,000. At that point, it's too late and it's on you. It's so common. 
for employers to try to convince employees to accept an offer that's not adequate, give me a call. It's an easy call, or just go to severancepaycalculator.com. Appreciate that note, Beth. Uh, we're talking about probation as well, and you mentioned uh, you know it's not automatic. It's got to be something laid out by the employer in an agreement. Uh, how long can you be on probation for? So it really does depend what the purpose of the probation is. Now, if the purpose is only to decide whether you're suitable, the employer can decide how long you're going to be on probation. There's no real limits as long as you both agree to it. It could be three months, it could be nine months, it could be whatever you've agreed to. But if the purpose of the probation is to allow the employer to let you go without compensation, without severance, that period of time can only be three months, 90 days. Okay, it's very important. An employer cannot let you go for uh, without compensation uh, except for the, in the first 90 days. And even then, John, they can only let you go in the first 90 days without compensation if the employment agreement specifically says so. So if your employment simply agreement simply says you're on probation for three months full stop, that does not mean at all that in that period of time your employer can let you go without severance. If your employer lets you go in the first three months in that scenario, you still get severance. So your employment agreement would have to say, employee, you're on probation for three months. During that period of time, if we decide to let you go, we won't have to pay you any severance. That That's legal and an employer can do that, but that period of time can only be 90 days. It cannot be any longer than that. Uh, it's completely illegal to say or to try to agree that after 90 days, you can still be let go without severance. one 821 5900 is the number. So uh, what can an employer do if, if, I mean, they're really not happy with an employee's performance during that, say, three months uh, probation period? No, an employer is expected to give the employee a real shot, a real chance. So it, it, it isn't appropriate, you know, legally as well as probably ethically, to, to be silent for 90 days and at, uh, on the 90th day to say, yeah, you're, you're not good enough for us, we're going to let you go. So if an employer really wants to assess the employee's performance over the probationary period, they should work with them. They should give them feedback, give them every opportunity to show what they can and cannot do. And if an employer does go through that exercise, gives them a legitimate shot with feedback, with opportunities to improve, if they're still not satisfied, then yeah, they can utilize the probationary period to get out of that relationship and, and, and move on and find another candidate. But it's not good enough to, to simply say, well, you know, it's 90 days, we're not happy, out you go. Uh, there has to be some sort of a reasonable assessment and a reasonable opportunity for the employee to, to know what's expected of them. Let's face it, John, if you just started a new job, you may not necessarily know what's expected of you in that particular job because, well, it's a new job. So an employer should help the employee figure those things out, provide them a real assessment, and if they still are unhappy and they, uh, after 90 days or at some point during that period of time, they, they, they can part ways with the employee with or without severance, depending on what the employment agreement says. Can they extend that probation? So generally speaking, an employer can extend the probationary period as long as the employee agrees. But again, remember, John, they cannot allow or they cannot create a period of time uh, that, where they can let you go without severance. As long as, uh, if that period of time is more than 90 days. So they can't say, well, we can now let you go for 120 days without severance. That's illegal. So they could potentially extend the period of time to assess your entitlements. So maybe they'll say, well, we were going to enroll you in our benefits plan after 90 days, but we're going to extend that period to 120 days right. to, uh, to try to assess whether you're, you're, you're right. They can arguably do that. 
but they can't say, well, we, we now we're going to give ourselves an extra month to be able to let you go without severance. That would be completely illegal. So we'll take it for another week, my friend. In the meantime, you need to get a hold of Lior. Very simple. Go to one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred on the old phone, or you can email him, Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. And in the off hours, if you have any more questions, go to terminationquestions.com. And one of the greatest tools we've talked about here in the show for, for three years now, still going strong, hundreds of thousands of uses, that is severancepaycalculator.com. Find out exactly what you wrote. Until next time, the Employment Hour right here. Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML.